0: Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners, and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to Desirability All. This is Series 2, Episode 2, Let's Talk Books. Today we're going to talk about a book that came out recently that I'm happy to say I contributed to, but is it? It is an amazing book. It's called The Handy Book of Love, Lust, and Disability. So this is so cool. Andrew Gerza, who is one of the people that I look up to, who started the Disability After Dark podcast, he and his sister started working on The Handy Organization. Which will be providing accessible sex toys for folks with disabilities. In particular, they call it "handy" because it's help. It's to help folks who may have difficulty with holding on to a sex toy, maybe um, issues with hand dexterity, things of that nature. So. In doing so, they ended up creating this book, and the proceeds for the book go towards their mission of creating accessible sex toys for everyone. So there were 50 contributors to the book. What they did, this was genius, they interviewed 50 people all around the world with disabilities, people with all different types of disabilities, and they asked a series of questions. And you get responses from, from all these folks. It's very diverse, which is wonderful. There's folks of many different races, folks of many different genders, and folks with many different types of disabilities. Coming from all over the world, including America, the UK, Canada, Australia, all over. I love in this book that they do talk with people with all different types of disabilities. So it's not just physical disabilities. There's people with mental health disabilities. There's people with neurological conditions. There's people with autism, with ADHD, with pain issues, with chronic pain with chronic illnesses. So it's really varied, and that's really awesome. So what I thought I'd do today is just let you know about the book. And I thought there were a couple of questions that I answered in the book. So I'm not going to talk about those questions specifically. But I thought I'd like to share a little bit about some of my other favorite topics that came up in this book. And let you know how I would answer those questions. To see the questions that I answered and to see the answers of other folks that are in the book, you'll have to get the book yourself. I really want to encourage everyone to buy this amazing book and surprisingly it's about sex and lust and disability but surprisingly there's a lot of people that talk about kink in this book too which is awesome. So please get the book. So again, I'm just going to go over some of my favorite topics, some of my favorite questions, and give you my answers, how I would answer. So you definitely want to pick up this book. They do talk about some things here that I've talked about in my podcast. Um, things like coming out disabled. You know, I've shared before about how, for me, I have a very visible disability. However, there are parts of my disability that folks are not aware of. And so I, there's a lot of things I've come out to a new partner about, such as the bladder and bowel issues that I have from spina bifida. That's not something you want to talk about on a first date, Right. But if it's someone you're planning on having sex with, maybe it is. So I've talked about that on prior episodes. You can re-listen to those if you'd like. I won't spend too much time on that question, but I'm really glad that they addressed it in the book. What else did they talk about? They talked about societal perceptions. You know, society often sees us as childlike and sees us as not having sex. Almost like, you know, the two are mutually exclusive. Sex and disability, mutually exclusive. And they definitely are not. I think that that's a bias that a lot of people in society have. It's a bias that professionals that work with us have. Doctors may not ask us about our sex life because they just assume we're not having sex. That goes for doctors, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and others. It is getting better. I'm really glad to see that there's so many people out there talking about sex and disability today that I do believe it's getting better and I believe it'll continue to get better. Okay, let's move on to some of the fun questions here. They ask about your best disabled sex experiences and your worst disabled sex experiences. I know my worst experiences had to do with my bladder and bowel incontinence. Times when I was younger and I didn't realize what would happen to my body when I had sex or I was confused about it. And so I didn't talk about it. And I had bad sexual experiences when I had accidents in bed. One lady I had sex with once accused me of giving her a boil because of wetting the bed during sex because I had a bladder accident during sex. So there were definitely some, some embarrassing times. Some of my best disabled sex experiences, I've described in prior episodes where I talked about threesomes that I've had. I'm gonna say my favorite sex experience was when my Sarah and I had been talking for a while before we even had sex and I told him about a fantasy I had. He ended up doing everything in the fantasy when we actually had sex. That was incredible. The fact that he listened so well to me, and he paid attention, and remembered each little detail of that fantasy and made it come to life. Now, of course, it wasn't as perfect as it was in my head, because of my disability and positions that I can and cannot get into, but just the fact that he put that much effort into it, and even in the the ways I wasn't able to get in certain positions, it was okay because we actually had a good laugh about it. I feel like in my sex life now with my sir, we use a lot of humor to cope with things. And, you know, sex can be funny sometimes. Trying to get into positions that you're not able to get into or experimenting or, you know, you can either feel sad about it or you can laugh about it. We chose to have fun and just laugh. And I'm so, so grateful for that. And I think that humor makes sex fun. I'll even tell you, uh... I'll share with you an embarrassing thing about my bowel issues. I have a lot of gas issues and there have been times when I farted in bed and <laughs> that's a whole nother topic that I might have to talk about another day or on another episode but when you're naked and you're about to have sexy time and you fart it's really really embarrassing and so What my sir did was he made it humorous. He made a joke of it, and that made me feel really comfortable. Humor is one of the best things you can do during sex. And it's just keeping a sense of humor is so important. (laughs) It's not the only time farting would be an issue for me, unfortunately, and continues to be an issue for me. I mentioned before that I play with service tops on occasion with my sir present. Well, I don't do that quite as much anymore because I get embarrassed when I fart. I feel like, is this really my life sometimes? So unfair. And it used to be I'd be embarrassed if I farted. Today, it's more like embarrassment when I fart. Today it's not if, it's when. Just knowing that's going to happen and that makes me even more anxious and makes it more likely to happen. <laughs> Such is my life. Just prior to the pandemic, Sarah and I had set up a fireplay lesson with an expert firetop in our area. Sir wanted to learn how to do fireplay for me because it's one of the things I absolutely love. It's my favorite type of BDSM play, to be honest. So we ended up being the only couple in this class. So I got to be the demo bottom for probably like three hours. It was awesome. However, when sir goes to help me get up off the massage table, once we're all done, I start farting. Not once, but like three times. And at that point, it wasn't just the instructor or the top that was there, but a group of his friends were also watching. And I've always been a bit of an exhibitionist, but my gas issues have unfortunately gotten in the way of that. No one left because I think they felt bad for me, which honestly made me feel even more awkward about it. But, you know, because of these issues, I have a feeling that even after the world opens up again and we're allowed to socialize and play parties start happening again i doubt i will be playing in front of an audience again or even playing with service tops again I feel like it's something else my disability has taken away from me my desire to be an exhibitionist and to play publicly this is something i really enjoyed in my 30s and now at 45 I'm no longer able to do so. So I just have to find other things that I enjoy and do other things and find other things that I can enjoy. But having a sense of humor is really important for many issues having to do with sex and disability. I remember the very first time we had sex, my Sarah and I. I can't remember what I did exactly. I think I was having trouble getting on top of him, and we were both kind of laughing. And I said, Are you laughing at me? Because I was feeling some shame and embarrassment. And he was like, No, I wasn't laughing at you, but now I am. (laughs) And it was just so funny. And it makes for a, a, a neat story later on. He also said something really cool to me, which was, you know... This isn't my first rodeo, and it isn't your first rodeo. You know, getting older and being disabled and having sex, it's not always going to be like the fantasy. There are positions I could get into in the past that I no longer can. To be honest, even when I get into bed at night by myself, I'm starting to have trouble getting into a comfortable position. And that's not even with a partner. I have to go to bed much earlier than Sir does. I just need more sleep than he does, which is actually something that we negotiated. I had actually asked him to give me a bedtime and he helps me, reminds me to go to bed at 10 o'clock every night because on my own, I wouldn't do it and then the next day I would be struggling because I'd be so tired. I wear a CPAP at night because I have sleep apnea. I also use a pillow in between my knees because I have have knee pain and I have back pain. And so I have a CPAP and I have a pillow in between my knees when I go to sleep. And I have to start off on one position and then in the middle of the night, I'll roll onto the other position. And if I stay on one side too long, it causes pain. And so I have a very particular way I have to get into bed and sort of scoot over. And Sir puts me to bed. That's one of our rituals. And, you know, we've made a ritual out of this or a protocol out of this. And, you know, we find a way to enjoy it and to make it special. And I think that's the beauty of being in a power exchange, relationship is finding those moments that we may have trouble with and creating a protocol around that to make it special and and make it helpful and make it making is sort of for me making bedtime something we can look forward to together okay so they also talk a lot about masturbation in the book And that's a big topic for me as well. I just recently actually had to throw out some of my sex toys. Because honestly, I haven't used them in years. When I was younger, I was able to masturbate and use those toys. Today, not so much. With the weight that I've gained and the pain issues I have in my shoulder... There's two toys that I have that I can manage with today. The rest, I decided it was time for them to go in the trash. I think I was holding on to them for a while, thinking, I'll lose the weight, maybe I'll feel better, and you know, I am on a, I'm trying to lose weight, and that's great, but if I lose the weight, I'm going to go out and buy some new sex toys. I'm not going to be using these old ones. (laughs) But yeah, there's only a couple of toys I can use today. One is a clitoral toy, which has a handle, so I can use that. I have a hard time with certain sex toys that are for insertion. I have a hard time reaching, and especially with my weight that I've gained in my stomach, and with my shoulder pain, I have a really hard time reaching to insert anything. I do have one toy, though, that I can use for insertion. It's not a vibrator. It's uh, called a G-spot wand, and it is heavy, but it's long enough that I can insert it. So I have two different toys with two different purposes. I get a choice which one I'm in the mood for. In the past, I could have probably used both of them together, but I wouldn't be able to do that today, at least not in this point of my life. Not today. Yeah, I'd age 45 with spina bifida. Grief and loss. As you know, that's a huge, huge topic for me. I lost my husband when I was 39. I lost my uncle as a child who was really like a big brother to me. Actually, one of the tattoos that I have is a Atari joystick with a candle on it and that's a memory of my uncle because he used to, when I was a kid, he would buy me Atari video games for Christmas. But before he gave them to me, he would open them up, play them, so that when we played together, he could beat me at the video games. (laughs) So I have that tattoo as a memory to him. Actually, in fact, four out of my six tattoos are memorial tattoos. So I've had a lot of grief and loss in my life. But grief and loss goes further than grief over death. I really love how the book talks about grief around our disabilities. They talk about how your advancing disability affects your image of yourself, affects your sexuality, and affects your relationships. And how do we experience grief and loss regarding our disability and regarding our sexuality? You know, getting rid of my sex toys was actually pretty depressing. To me because I can't use them anymore. Coming to that realization was really hard for me. As I'm getting older I'm much less able to do the things I was once able to do and that's hard for me. I struggle with that a lot and it's hard for me to really talk about. So it was so nice to hear stories from other people in this book who get it. Now as I'm getting older It's hard for me to talk to people that I'm close with, people that are friends and family, because I think I'm the youngest. And when I talk about it, they sort of feel like, ah, you're only 45. Wait till you get to my age. And I get that response from a lot of people. And so I just stop talking about it. But I do have to admit that Age 45 with a disability is much different. I feel like I'm 45, but I'm going on 80. (laughs) My grandmother, who is 82, gets around better, has better mobility than I do. And we both use AIDS. She uses a walker. I use crutches. But she gets around a lot faster than I do. And I actually just... I'm really excited. I got a power wheelchair recently, and I just ordered a carrier for my car, so I'm going to be able to get around in my power chair soon. I haven't been able to to do that. I had to walk with my crutches because I didn't have accessible transportation for a while. And so I've just been struggling to go with my crutches, and I'm really slow, and When I have to walk a lot, it causes a lot of pain and I have to take a lot of breaks. So I'm really excited that this power chair, having this power chair is freedom for me. A lot of people think of a power chair or they think of a wheelchair in general as, oh, you poor thing, you need a a wheelchair now. And I'm like, no, I'm excited. I can't wait to be able to use my wheelchair. I'm so excited. I'm excited that I'll be able to get to my doctor's appointments, um, without pain, which is pretty much the only thing I've been doing since COVID and, um, since my mobility has decreased, but I'm also excited to be able to start, you know, once COVID is over and once everybody gets vaccinated and the world opens back up again, I'm excited to make plans in the future. I'm excited to go on vacations. Uh, there's another couple that we are very close to and the four of us are now hopefully planning a vacation and I'm really looking forward to that. We're hoping to go to New Mexico and New Mexico is actually, I lived the first couple of years of my life in New Mexico and I have family in New Mexico. So I'm really excited to get to New Mexico again and I'm really excited to take this trip uh, with this other couple. It, without that wheelchair, I wouldn't be able to make these plans. So I am so grateful for this wheelchair and for this carrier that I should have in a few weeks. And I just, you know there are times when I get start to feel depressed over my loss of mobility and feel that grief. And I just had to remind myself of all the things that I'm grateful for when I get into that depression. Because that does help lift me up. I have a lot to be grateful for and I have a lot of things to look forward to going forward. And I have to just keep myself in that mindset. One of the things I love about reading this book is I got to see quotes from other sex educators that I admire, and also see some new names that I'm not familiar with. Eva Sweeney is one of those educators that I've always admired. She does cripping up sex with Eva. She's amazing, and I actually had a chance to work with her very briefly. Um, I worked with O school for a short time before they changed their platform. And so for a, a small period of time, I got a chance to work with Eva, which was great. And it was really good to, to see her quoted in the book and some others as well. So, so the only thing I wish that they had added in the book was I wish they would have included maybe contact information so that we could connect with some of the writers in the book. I wish I had a way to contact some of the writers that were in the book, particularly the ones that I'm not familiar with. Um, That would be the only thing that I might do differently. But I love how the book helped me to see stories that were so similar to mine. I was amazed re- reading this book in how similar the contributors were, how similar their answers were to many of these questions. I also really appreciated that the Handy team sort of gave this, they gave a synopsis and findings from each section in the book. They talked about what, what they found when they asked, asked these questions. If you're someone who has not considered sex and disability, um, then I think you'll be surprised by this book. I think you'll be surprised at how sexy we can be. And I think if you're a person like me who's disabled, I think you're going to be applauding this book, jumping up and down figuratively, (laughs) saying to others that this is a must read. You're going to want your family and friends to read this book, too, maybe to help understand you. At least that's how I felt. So go ahead, please get the handy book of love, lust, and disability, and let me know what you think of it. While you're at it, go to the That's Handy website and share your thoughts with the Handy team who was responsible for creating this amazing book. I'll put links in the show notes to the handy website so you can contact them to let them know what you think of the book as well. At the end of every episode, I'll be asking a question for you to consider. You'll want to answer today's question after you read the handy book of love, lust, and disability. Today's question is, What is your favorite theme or question addressed in the book? And how would you answer that question? Please go to Disirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R ability.com. And share your thoughts with me. Thank you for joining me today. Stay well. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at Desirability.com or on any social media at Desirability. That's D-I-S. I-R, ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.